morning church when you watch a video like that you um, are reminded of the ultimate sacrifice that men and women have been willing to pay in order to ensure our freedom and uh, there's no way to express that I mean how thankful we are that we enjoy the freedom you, know, you think about the freedom that we have just to come to this place this morning and how the um, underground church around the world, uh, they have to literally hide to meet. But we have the freedom here at Grace uh, to be able to come together and to worship the Lord. And uh, so we do owe a great debt to those men and women who uh, gave their lives uh, so that we could enjoy uh, free, our freedom. And, you know, I just as a, a, a wish, I guess I have a wish list with this. I, I wish that... Um, it would be um, emphasized more in our schools. I, I, I don't know. I, I, when I was growing up, there was just a, um, I guess, just a, a respect, you know, and um, just a gratefulness. I just don't know that I see that enough in our culture today. So I'm going to get on a hobby horse of mine if I'm not careful. But I just... I just uh, think we need to pray about that. Pray about that for our country. Pray that uh, as believers, we would foremost educate our children in the Word of God. Uh, and they're going to find out as, as they're educated in the Word of God that there's one that paid the ultimate price. 
for our freedom that we enjoy. And that's Jesus Christ. But there's also a freedom that we enjoy in our country. And um, so anyway, we're just thankful for those men and women. <laughs> I don't think that was from heaven. <laughs> Jim is back. <laughs> and we're thankful to the Lord for that. Um, and, you know, speaking of that, I was thinking, you know, the, the tragedy there with Rod Bramlett and his wife. I don't know how many of you have heard about that, but the voice of the Auburn Tigers, um, he and his wife were tragically killed in a car accident last evening. And you know, I don't know anything about his spiritual life or his walk with the Lord, if he had one, or his wife. But any time you're at a funeral, you're just, I mean, hopefully the person that's going to do that, the gospel will be presented. Those are great forms for that. So we need to pray about that as well uh, this morning. I wanted to uh, begin by reading uh, Psalm 96. This morning, um, one of the struggles when you, um, and that sounds weird to say, but one of the struggles when you have the Lord's Supper is just time. <laughs> There's, it takes time to do it, and when it should we should value that, and, and we do, um, and we're going to spend some time uh, this morning thinking about that, but uh, a full message uh, generally takes from 30 to 45 minutes, and when you have that, that's another 10 minutes or so, so I've been praying this week about, you know, what the Lord wanted me to, to share, and, and we're going to talk about the fact that our God is holy, holy, holy. I'm going to say this again probably in the message, but it's something we need to consider on a regular basis. His holiness. That he is so different from man. Um, and we'll talk about that in our time together, but I wanted us to kind of get um, acquainted with the greatness of our God. So if you would stand as I read Psalm 96... The psalmist writes, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. So if you ever want a series on what we should do when we sing, we're singing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations. His wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before Him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. 
Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all it contains. Let the field exult and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. Before the Lord, for He is coming. For He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. Let's pray together. So Lord, we just want to come to you this morning. And if we are saved, we can declare from the mountaintops, it's great to be free from the penalty of sin. And Lord, I just want to thank you for who you are. You are holy, holy, holy. I don't think it's an attribute that we consider enough. It really touches every other attribute. It would be good if we could truly wrap our minds completely around that thought. But we're finite beings, and you're an infinite being. But Lord, your word has revealed to us, even through definition of the word holy, what you're like. And so I pray this morning as we consider that, as we come to the table to remember what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. I pray, Lord, that our hearts and our minds are pure before you. As I was thinking about that word this week, pretty heavy word, to truly be pure. I pray, Lord, that this service would honor you. And I do want to thank you personally, Lord, for the freedom that I enjoy in this country. I'm free to be here this morning to worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a freedom that we probably all would admit we take for granted at times. Lord, for those that aren't here today traveling, visiting family, we pray for their safety. We don't take safety for granted, but we do at times, I think. And Lord, we remember the Bramlett family. I think if I understand right, they had girls. And um, that's going to be a traumatic thing for them. I pray, Lord, that their trust is in you. I just pray that you would bring folks alongside of them who have the living hope. Um, Because it's in times like these, Lord, you work mightily through tragedies. And so we just pray for the salvation of those girls if they don't belong to you. Um, We pray for the salvation of our nation. The nation's in rough shape in a lot of ways. To even say it's declining morally, that's not even <laughs> that's not even an accurate statement. It's so far below and so far below your standard. Because your standard is holiness and righteousness. I'm thankful that we can look to you, Lord, that we have your word revealed to us, that we can look at it and by the help of your spirit understand it and live for you. 
I pray this morning that our hearts and our minds are here. And for just a few moments, I pray that you would help us to concentrate on you, the only one who is worthy of worship. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. i 
God, you are faithful. God, you are faithful. You're the only one that we can count on. Uh, wish we could say we counted on we could count on everybody else, but we can't. We can count on God, though. He is faithful. He mentioned something about a battleground. How many men and women have been on a battleground? And they were there, um, and they were crying out to the Lord, but they knew that the Lord was with them through everything. Never once did he leave them. Even if, even if they were ushered into eternity, he was with them. And so we're so thankful that God is a God who never once will leave us alone. He said, I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you. Um, let's, uh, let's worship this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to sing, My Faith Has Found a Resting Place. We're here not as a religious institution. We're here as a group of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that has a relationship with Him, and that's the reason why we're here to worship Him. Let's sing this together. May we? My faith has found a resting place, not in device or creed. I trust the ever-living one, his wounds for me shall plead. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Enough for me that Jesus saves, this ends my fear and doubt. A sinful soul, I come to him, he'll never cast me out. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. My heart is leaning on the word, the written word of God. Salvation by my Savior's name, salvation through his blood. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. He died for me. The power of the cross had enough power to save every one of us here today. So let's sing about that, Mary. To see the dawn of the darkest day, Christ on the road to Calvary, tried by sinful men, torn and beaten, then nailed to a cross of This the power of the cross, Christ became sin for us, took the blame for the right. 
to see the pain written on your face, bearing the awesome weight of sin. Every bitter thought, every evil deed, crowning your bloodstained This Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for the cross. We thank you that we stand forgiven at the cross. Lord, as those that were doing the terrible things to you, Lord, you looked down and you said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Lord, we know that our sin was the same sin that put you there. And Lord, you paid the price. And God, how grateful, how grateful you are today, we are today for what you have done. God, we just ask you that you would just speak to our hearts today, Lord, as we continue in our service, as, uh, as our pastor brings the message that you've given to him from your word, Lord, that our hearts would be open to the truth, and God, that we would commune with you later on, Father, and have a wonderful time together around your word and around the bread and the, the cup, and Lord, just make this a special time as we go forward in the service today. Be with us now. These things we ask in your name. Amen.
So Jordan and Hannah and the kids are on their way. They should be here this afternoon sometime and uh, I think they're unloading some things tomorrow morning. I think some of you guys are, are helping for that. And then if you just want to help, you're just like, I just love picking up heavy things. And I just want to be a part of that. You know, no pressure, youth, Luke, and those guys. But Jerry Peterson is right over here. Jerry, want to put your hand up? See, that's Jerry. And y'all can uh, see him. I won't name everyone over there that I'm looking at. Just name one just to kind of get, get us going. But um, I know that Jordan and Hannah would much appreciate it. We look forward to them being with us. I think Jordan's going to be a, a tremendous addition to our staff. And Hannah, obviously, is in a great role of support. And we appreciate all the, the talents and gifts that God has given them. And we look forward uh, to seeing what the Lord's going to do through this young man. I was young once, and I remember I had more energy than I do now. Although I still have pretty good energy. Um, I'm playing in an old man's softball league on Tuesday mornings. And uh, no, no, nothing toward you, Earl. I mean, you're a young guy. But uh, anyway, uh, we do want to pray for them as they drive today for their safety. And uh, that the Lord will get them here uh, to us. Um, also, wanted to make mention of the challenge I've been giving you in terms of reading through the scriptures and I think it's good that we do that uh, together as a family. I kind of want to add something to that uh, today. And I'm going to give you my email address and my cell phone number. And if you have any uh, thoughts or comments as we're working our way through Genesis, please feel free to email me and I'll have somebody respond to you. No, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> But we really want to spend some time. Uh, we just completed. Hopefully you've completed. There's still grace there. There's still more days in May. But hopefully you've completed or close to completing the Gospel of John. And beginning Saturday, which is June 1st. Hard to believe it's June 1st coming up. But we will start reading through the book of Genesis uh, together. And we'll take 25 chapters in June. That'll give you five days of grace in June. And then we'll take the next 25 in July, and that will give you six days of grace in July, as July has 31 days. I know you're all aware of that, right? So um, I trust that you'll take this challenge upon yourself. Um, my email address, T is in tiger, all lowercase, blunt, B-L-O-U-N-T, hog, H-O-G. little emphasis there. T. Blunt Hogg at AOL. Y'all remember that? AOL? At AOL.com. I'd love to I hear from you. My cell phone number is 937-7600. And so you're free to text or email me. And I'd love to hear from you. I've heard from some people this month um, as we've been reading through the Gospel of John. It's been awesome to kind of talk through it and just think about it and um, just to think that there are so many more things as the gospel of John ends there's so many more things that our Lord did that aren't recorded <laughs> like, wow what, are, what else is there and for us to just to try to wrap, wrap our minds around what we have right that's, that's taking us a lifetime isn't it it's a lifetime journey we don't arrive we just always are learners always are learners so 
This morning, um, I don't do this very often where I type out every single word of a message, but I did today. That's why your handout is pretty much blank. If you've noticed, it's green there and it says the Lord is, the Lord God is. And you can fill in that with holy, holy, holy. And that's what we're going to look at today. I'll have the handout for you next week and it'll be all filled in just like you want it. But I know that sometimes it's just good to listen. Um, some people can multitask and listen and write. Some folks can't. And Of course, PowerPoint helps because if you're a visual learner, you're like, yay, I get all that. Um, but I think the discipline of just listening is good at times. And um, some of you will take notes today and you'll say, hey, Thad, uh, next week after I give the handout, hey, you didn't include this and that'd be fine. I'll make the corrections. But I wanted us to consider this attribute of God um, from the standpoint of definition. You know, the Hebrew word and the Greek word. Now, when you do studies like that, uh, you're all over the Bible, right? I mean, you're not just in one verse or one section of Scripture, but you're literally all over the Bible. I want to ask you a few questions before we start this morning. What is your personal view of God? I mean, if you had to put on that sheet of paper, the Lord God is, what are you writing that could be like your assignment for this afternoon, right? What is your personal view of God? Question one, where do you land the plane in your understanding of who he is? Are you allowing, third question, the word of God to frame your understanding of him? Now you think, well, that might, that's kind of a silly question. No, it's not. How many times have you heard someone say, I believe the Lord is this, or I feel like God is this way? And have you ever had that happen to you? And then you're like, whoa, where are you getting that? So we have to allow the word of God to frame our understanding of who God is, period. He has given us his full revelation. So when someone says to me, Thad, I really feel like God is this, my response is, where did you get that? Where'd that come from? Because ultimately, the authority is the Word of God. We find out who God is through studying this book. Isn't that great? And, and you're going to live, if you live a, a normal life, a long life, you're going to have plenty of opportunity to open this book. And one of the discoveries that you're going to have is that God's Word says that He is holy, holy. One theologian said this, our culture does not help us to smash our graven image of the casual God. <laughs> Think about that. Our culture does not help us to smash our graven image of the casual God. Our culture proclaims that God must be the essence of tolerance. That he is chummy, rather than holy. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says he is holy, holy, holy. You say, why three times? 
It's said in Isaiah. It's said in Revelation. Why three times? Well, one theologian wrote this. It is expressed three times because it is the fullest expression of who he is. It's the fullest expression of who God is. He is the antithesis of common. That's pretty good. He's the antithesis of common. You're looking at common. And I'm looking at common. If I was ugly, I'd say less than common, right? He's not common. He's holy, holy, holy. And I've had a week to think through this. And it's just hitting you now. But I can promise you this. If you'll do your own study this week off of some of these verses that I'm going to give you, you're going to have to consider, like I've had to consider, how am I acknowledging God? Am I acknowledging Him as holy, holy, holy? And how is that impacting my life? Two scriptures, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, tell us that the Lord is holy, holy, holy. Listen to this. When, I, when you read this, like the, the occupation of the seraphim are to do this. It's amazing. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy is the Lord God. Is that what he says? He says, holy, holy, holy. That's what they say. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy. That's what they do. <laughs> That's incredible, isn't it? That's their job. That's their occupation. We may look at it like that. That's what they're privileged to do. You know what's amazing is that they're covering, the Bible say, says that these seraphim covered their face. They're in awe of the holiness of God. In Revelation chapter 4 verse 8 it says, In the four living creatures, this is a future scene. I believe that we're a part of that, the church. And four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night, listen to this, and day and night they do not cease to say. And you're like, day and night? All the time? It's what they do. They do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty who was and who is and to who is to come. That's what they do. Holy, holy, holy. That's their expression. I put this for our consideration. God's holiness reminds us of how much unlike God we are. Are you listening? God's holiness reminds us of how... how much unlike God we are. Let me give you the definitions of the Hebrew term and the Greek term for holiness. The Hebrew term for holy is kodesh. 
Kodesh. It's used some 431 times in the Old Testament. That's a lot of times. And that's not including the word for holiness. That's just the word holy. Some 431 times. And in relationship to God, the word holy stresses this. Holy, pure, sacred, set apart from his creation. That's the idea of the Hebrew word. It relates to purity, being set apart from his creation, being sacred, being holy. I put this in my notes. The idea that is that he's not just a notch above man. <laughs> and that's, quite honestly, at times how people treat him. He's just a little bit better than me. Well, no, according to the definition, he is separate, separate, separate from you and from me. The Greek word for holy is the term hagios. Isn't that a cool term, hagios? It's used 180 times in the New Testament, and that's not including the word for holiness again. It's just the word holy, 180 times. The meaning kind of mirrors that of the Hebrew term. It stresses his purity and him being set apart. His purity and him being set apart. So there's primarily two emphasis when studying these terms. And this is how I, I broke it down. First of all, we have to consider his greatness. His greatness. I want you to take your Bibles and go to um, Exodus chapter 15. And we're going to get there in just a moment. But I want you to listen to this. God's greatness. So when we think about the holiness of God, it primarily lines, under, lines up under two headings. First of all, his greatness. I mean, think about how many times we just say something's great. This is great, that's great, this is great. I do the same thing. Steak is great. Amen? Steak is great. Barbecue is great. Sweet tea is great. I remember one time going to Ruby Tuesdays years ago, and they ran out of sweet tea. How do you do that at a restaurant? I want, sweet, I want what is great. I want sweet tea, right? Because sweet tea from the South, there's nothing like it. But they didn't have it. That's not great. But we use that term. We throw that term around a whole bunch. But I want us for this morning, for our consideration, to think about the fact that God is great. He's the one who is great. Meaning this, he is totally set apart. He's far above all. As one theologian stresses, he is in a category all by himself. <laughs> so when you're looking for an illustration on earth to describe God, I'm sorry, not there. He's in a category all by himself. There is no comparison. Now this is what I wrote. The struggle for some in that, in considering the fact that he's in a category by himself, and that there is no comparison, is this. We live in a culture of comparison. You agree with that? Even if you don't, it's true. We live in a culture of comparison. We compare our looks with the person next to us. Right? We compare our kids with others. Well, my kids, right? We do that. We compare our house to others. 
In general, we tend to compare ourselves with others. That's just the truth. And I'm right there with you in the boat. In fact, I wrote this, we tend to look across, meaning horizontal and not up. So when we consider the issue of holiness, we're not looking across. We're looking up. Because he is so different. Guys, think about this. We're going to come to the table this morning and remember that one day we get to enter into the presence of God because Jesus Christ paid it all. Think about that. For an eternity. The Bible tells us in 1 John, we're going to see him face to face just as he is. Can you fathom that? I can't. (laughs) It's only because of grace. Wow. The word is clear. There is no one like God. I want you to listen to some of these verses that express that. You can write these down. You'll see them in your handout next week that I hand out to you. Psalm 71, 19. Listen to what the psalmist says. For your righteousness, O God, reaches to the heavens. You have done great things, O God, who is like you. Just for an exercise this afternoon, just go through the word and list all the great things that God did for the nation of Israel. Your hand will hurt. Wow, what a great God we serve. Then you can even make a list of all the things that our Lord did when with his disciples, all the great things. All the great things that the Lord did in his church as we have record of it. And all the great things that the Lord does for us now. And then you'll go to bed because you'll spend all day and you're still not finished with the assignment. Guys, how do we express, I mean... We have it right here in the book. The greatness of our God. The psalmist says in Psalm 113, 5, Who is like the Lord our God? Answer, no one is like the Lord our God. Who is enthroned on high? Who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth? I like what Isaiah 44 says. Listen to this. Isaiah 44, 6 through 8. Thus says the Lord, now listen to these words, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and the last, and there is no God besides me. That's it. Now you think about our culture today, they're looking for help in all the wrong places. Listen to me, the culture today needs to embrace the living God. They need to cry out in repentance and turn to God and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's what needs to happen. That's the healing that our nation needs. Our nation needs to turn to the Lord. Then he says, there's no God besides me who is like me. Who's like the Lord? No one is like the Lord. You know, when I was studying that this week, man, I was just so full. I was like, man, Lord, you're filling me up. This is so amazing to consider. Because I can look at someone and say, they're kind of like me. He's kind of like me. Well, he's kind of like me. 
But there is not that with God. There is no one like him. <laughs> oh my goodness. Listen to what else he says in Isaiah 44. Let him proclaim and declare it. Yes, let him recount it to me in order. From the time that I established the ancient nation. And let them declare to them the things that are coming. <laughs> no one can do that. And the events that are going to take place. There's only one that can do that. Listen to me. There is only one that knows your today, the rest of it. And your tomorrow and your next week. And I, 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 I truly grieve. When you hear about an accident like happened to the Bramlett family... I guarantee you their thought was, I'm going to be home soon. We don't ever know. I don't know if I'm standing up here for the last time, and I don't know if you're sitting there for the last time. <laughs> who do we think we are? I got to think about it. I was like, well, Lord, who do I think I am? I'm not in charge of all my days. You are. And you know what? He knows every one of them. And he knows the number of hairs on my head. Even though they are less and gray, he knows. Quit laughing. A few years ago, my lady who does my hair, she said, Dad, do you want to color your hair? <laughs> no. I said, the Lord's doing that for me. Listen to what else he says in Isaiah 44. Do not tremble and do not be afraid. Have I not long since announced it to you and declared it? Listen to the way he ends this. And you are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? He's letting Israel. Listen, Israel, you are blessed. You're a chosen people. There is no one like me. All these other gods, using the word puny, they're puny. They're not real. They have no life in them. They're not from everlasting to everlasting. <laughs> They're not eternal. They're not self-existent. He says, and you are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me or is there any other rock, capital R? I know of none. My friends, listen to me. There is only one self-existent, eternal God. And that's the God of the Bible. So, well, there's a great illustration here of his greatness. The Lord brought my mind to Exodus 15. And do you know the greatness is illustrated in a song? It's a song. It's a song of a bunch of people who crossed the Red Sea. Imagine how great that was to witness that. The waters parting, the wall of waters. Can you imagine what it must have been like? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, the song of Moses in Israel goes this way. Now I want you to underscore, highlight whatever it is you do. Put it in your memory banks. Look at how many times in this song... It's declared that God is separate, that He is great, that there is none like Him. 
Guys, listen, you think, well, what should we be singing on Sundays? That's what we should be singing. There's no one like God. There's no one like Jesus Christ. No compares. Listen to this. Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he is hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. By the way, that's a really good help for us, right? When we're walking through the midst, right, of what could be waters that would engulf us, listen to me, and that's how we feel sometimes in our lives. The waters are on both sides and they're going to crash in. My friend, listen to me. The Lord God is with you, just like Ron said earlier. He's wherever you go. So even if the waters do crash in, he's there. Now listen to what they sang. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The horse and rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God. I will praise him. My father's God. I will extol him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Ferret's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. And the choices of his officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deeps cover them. They went down into the depths like a stone. <laughs> oh my goodness. The power of the Lord. Look at this. Your right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. And in the greatness of your excellence, you overthrow those who rise up against you. You know what it reminded me of? I thought, man, one day, at the end of the millennial kingdom, they're going to be, the number as the sands of the seashore rise up against the Lord, and immediately they're going to be destroyed. No problem. Look at this, verse 7. In the greatness of your excellence, you overthrow those who rise up against you. You send forth your burning anger, and it consumes them as chaff. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters were piled up. The flowing waters stood up like a heap. The deeps were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be gratified against them. I will draw out my sword, my hand will destroy them. And look at verse 10, here it is, here's greatness. You blew with your wind. have you ever just like read a story in the Bible you're like I wish I was there you blew with your wind the sea covered them they sank like lead in the mighty waters look at verse 11 who is like you among the gods who is like you among the gods O Lord answer no one who is like you, majestic in holiness? No one. Awesome in praises? No one. Working wonders? No one. There is no one to compare him to. You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. In your loving kindness, you have led the people whom you have redeemed. In your strength, you have guided them to your holy habitation. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Anguish has gripped the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom were dismayed, the leaders of Moab trembling 
leaders of Moab, trembling grips them. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. Look at this. By the greatness of your arm, they are motionless as stone. <laughs> Until your people pass over, O Lord. Until the people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Amen? By the way, even if you don't say amen, he's reigning forever and ever. For the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea on them, but the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea. Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out with, uh, after her with timbrels and with dancing. Wouldn't you? Yeah, you would. You ever danced in the aisles? Yeah, you have. When Alabama scored a touchdown or Auburn scored a touchdown, you have. And to think about what these guys had come through. My goodness. Look what it says. Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and his rider. He is hurled into the sea. My friends, listen to me. There's no one like God. He is great. But we have to move on with time. Not only is he great, and that's what the definition of holy expresses, not only his greatness, but secondly, his purity. He's pure. This element of God's holiness says that he is pure and separate from evil. And there are many scriptures, and I'm going to give you a few. 2 Samuel twenty two twenty seven says this, With the pure you show yourselves pure. With the pure you show yourself pure. Psalm 12, 6, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace on the earth, refined seven times. Psalm ninety two fifteen To declare that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. My friends, listen to me. We are surrounded with unrighteousness. And yes, all of us in this room are sinners. That's what the Bible declares. I'm just thankful this morning, and as I was studying this week, man, Lord, I am so thankful that you paid the penalty for my sin. Habakkuk 1.13 you can find that book this afternoon. Your eyes are too pure to approve evil. And you cannot look on wickedness with favor. And you know, there's something that we say a lot. I'm saying we do this. Man, it looks like they're getting away with. No one's getting away with anything. <laughs> oh my goodness. Don't forget there are judgments to come. You do know that, right? There's the judgment for those who are unrighteousness, who are unrighteous and who have not trusted in Christ alone as Savior. They're going to spend an eternity away from the Lord. And then yet, there is judgment for the believer. The Bema seat judgment. 
you need to read about that. We have some verses in 1 Corinthians 3 and 2 Corinthians 5 that tell us about that judgment. And while we are not judged to condemnation, we are judged. We are judged. In the New Testament, we go to verses about our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. We go, wow, I can relate to all that except that last part. Yet without sin. Hebrews 7.26 says, For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, listen to this, holy, innocent, undefiled, separate from sinners and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily, like those priests, to offer up sacrifices for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, because, listen to this, this he did once for all when he offered himself. His sacrifice was sufficient for all. Not all are going to believe. But his sacrifice was sufficient for all. So then I come to the end of that section and I have to ask myself the question, how do I respond to his purity? This is all I could come up with. And it's from the scriptures. It seems to be that the Lord is interested in our purity. Do you know that? He's interested in the way that we live. I want you to go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. I want to show you this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. As you're turning there, I get this little magazine called Herald of His Coming. And um, you guys remember Miss Frances Taylor? Many of you do. Do you know she got this for me? Boy, Miss Frances, whew. If you didn't know her, you'll meet her one day if you know the Lord. What a lady. In this article on holiness, there's a subtitle, Taking Holiness Seriously. And before we look at this, this, these verses in 1 Peter, I wanted to read part of this article because I think it's really helpful. Taking holiness seriously. So we see that the Lord is holy. He's separate from evil. He is pure. And so the author asks this question, how important is holiness to you? It's a good question, right? Good question. How important is holiness to you? How much thought, attention, and effort do you devote to the pursuit of holiness? Good question. Are you intentional about putting away everything that is displeasing to God and living a holy life? Now, these are pretty tough questions. Is your priority, or excuse me, is it your priority, your mission, to be holy? Because the Lord definitely desires our holiness. The author goes on to write, how important is your children's holiness to you? Do you care more about their grade point average, their batting average, and their earning capacity, or about their purity of heart and life? Good questions. <laughs> really good questions. Like hurt, <laughs> stab questions. Are you consciously training them to be godly? And by the way, come Father's Day, you know whose responsibility it is for that? Strictly fathers. Sorry. 
I mean, you just can't get away from it. You know, when you look in the scriptures, it says fathers bring up your children. There doesn't say fathers and mothers. And you know what I'm going to say to that? There's been too much passing off to mothers. And you know what's created? Weak men. I'm just being honest. Right? God's interested in holy men who are willing to discipline their children. Right? Right. Who are willing to say to their children, look, I'm set apart to the Lord. I'm testifying to you as a child. I'm set apart to Him. Therefore, da 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 <laughs> What was that? Da, 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 da. All right. There's a show that went like that. Bonanza. <laughs> it's amazing what you think about when you don't write it in your notes. Listen to this. Continues to write, does their sin drive you to your knees? I'm going to tell you this as a parent. It will. <laughs> my thought was when my kids turned 18, I'd say, see ya. Guess what? They're still living life. And there's hurt, and there's pain, and there's godlessness. Man, I don't have enough time today. Does it cause you to plead with God to give your children a heart for righteousness? That's how we need to be praying. Lord, help my children to desire righteousness. And to plead with them to repent. How concerned are you about the holiness of the body of Christ? I'm sure there's a lot there to consider and I didn't give all of it to you. Look what it says in 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16. As obedient children. Well, there it is. That's what the Lord expects. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust, which were yours in your ignorance. We were ignorant before we knew the Lord. Do you know that? Ignorant. But... When we came to know the Lord, we were introduced to his book and his standard of holiness and what pleases him and what displeases him. And we don't need to provide a list. That's not helpful. You know what's helpful? Us as believers responding to the Spirit of God who leads us, as Scripture says, into all truth. That's who we respond to. Because if we give each other lists, we chunk the list. It becomes legalism. But we say this, Lord, we want to be led by your Spirit. We want to be holy as you are holy. Help us in our thinking. So he says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you. He's the one that called you. He's the one that saved you. Be holy yourselves in some of your behavior. Well, we wish it read that, right, sometimes? We feel better about ourselves. But it says here, man, there's no wiggle room. 
Like, where is the wiggle room? Be holy yourselves in all your behavior. All of it. By the way, I'm not your policeman. And you're not mine. Guys, listen, we... We need to, as a New Testament church, rely on the Spirit of God and His leading in our lives. He'll do it. If you don't need to be there, guess what's going to happen? He's going to convict you. But like the Holy One who called you, be yourselves, be holy yourselves in all your behavior because it's written, you shall be holy or separate. That's the idea. For I am separate. And we learned this morning, He's separate, separate, separate. He wants us to be separate from what? Ungodliness. Unrighteousness. You say, yeah, but that's, that's hard. Yeah, it is. Any of you admit it? It's hard. It's easy to sin. I've come to that conclusion. Because my flesh is weak. I need the Spirit of God to control me daily. I thought this was a good illustration of kind of what happens. Boy, it's a really good illustration. I found this story. I was like, yep, you're going in my notes. There's a story of a large tree which fell one night after a violent storm. This tree was very large and over the years had become a stately giant. It was found lying across a pathway in the park. Nothing but a splintered stump was left. However, closer examination revealed that it was rotten at the core because thousands of tiny insects had eaten away at its heart. The weakness of that tree was not brought on by the sudden storm. It began the very moment the first insect nested within its bark. <laughs> Man, I thought, boy, boy, boy. That's what happens to us, isn't it? Those insects get in there and they start nibbling away at us. So I wrote this, with the help of the Holy Spirit, let's be very careful to guard ourselves, to guard our purity. I want to close this morning um, with a couple of paragraphs here. Um, it may be for some of us this morning we need to do a reset. And consider again the holiness of God. That we need to confess our sin. That there's sin in our lives. That we've just let go on. We need to confess. And call it what it is. Do you know that the word confess means agree? I agree with God, it's sin. You don't have to say it out loud. You can say it to the Lord right where you are. Lord, I agree this is sin. This has been in my life. I've been doing this. I've been thinking this. I confess it to you. The great part is, like John said, he's forgiving. And he's faithful to forgive. But then I put this. For some of us, it may be a reset. And for others, it may be the fact that you're just not saved at all. That you haven't embraced the Lord Jesus Christ. And his redemptive work on the cross. You see, we don't just believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in what he did for us. The demons believe, and they shudder, the Bible says. But we believe in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary 
that it paid in full my sin. That's what I believe. The scriptures are clear that one must trust alone in his redemptive work in order to be saved. John puts it this way. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Who were born, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Who believe in his name, who believe in what he did. You know, those in the Old Testament were looking forward to the redemptive work. We look back to the redemptive work. To think that my Lord's sacrifice was sufficient. That's an amazing thought. Because you and I both know we're human, and we walk around and we go, Man, Lord, I am a dirty person. Any of you dirty like me? I'm dirty. And you know what? There's nothing I could do to save myself. And there's nothing you can do to save yourself. But you know what? Jesus Christ paid it all. The Bible says it. And just like the hymn writer, and all to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He what? He washed it white as snow. I believe in what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross at Calvary. And I'm trusting in that. So I ask you this morning the question, is it well with your soul? There's a story of the man, and I know it's been read from the pulpit before, but hey, look, we all we have short memories. <laughs> so I'm going to read it to you again. The story about the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Have you ever really looked at the words of that hymn? The third verse, my favorite, I, I say favorite, it's really, we say that word a lot too. It's one of my favorites. The third verse of that hymn reads this, My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to what? The cross, and I bear it no more. Whew! Man, and all God's people said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. So how'd that hymn come into being? Well, I'll tell you. It's a pretty incredible story of how this happened. A man in Chicago who was a prominent lawyer, who had a business that was thriving. He owned several properties throughout the city, and he and his wife had four beautiful daughters and one son. Life was more than good. It was blessed. But faith, no matter how great, does not spare us from adversity. Horatio Spafford hit the pinnacle of his profession and financial success. And when he did, things began to change. It began with the tragic loss of their son. Not long thereafter, the great Chicago fire destroyed nearly every real estate investment Horatio owned. Just a few years later, in 1873, Horatio decided to treat his wife and his daughters to a much-needed escape from the turmoil. He sent them on a boat trip to Europe with plans to join them shortly after wrapping up some business in Chicago. 
Just a few days later, he received a dreadful telegram from his wife. Saved alone, it said. It bore the excruciating news that, that the family ship had wrecked and all four of his daughters had perished. Horatio was on his way to meet his heartbroken wife, passing over the same sea that had just claimed the lives of his remaining children. Now get this, all of his kids are gone. I was thinking about Job. I was reading this. It was then that he put his pen to paper and the timeless hymn was born, beginning with the words, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. <laughs> is it well with your soul today? I trust it is. I want you to listen to this song by Chris Tomlin.
amazing thing is the God that's as holy and as separate as he is and as great as he is allows us to commune with him. And that's Amen. what this song is about. Sing along with us. Here. To commune with you is what my heart desires. To commune with you is when my spirit breathes, when I'm in the presence of your holiness to commune with you is all I need fill me with your Cleanse me with your fire. Change me through your presence and obstore me. For there's no greater love that fulfills my soul. There's no greater need I have than to commune with you. To commune with you is what my heart desires. To commune with you when my spirit breathes when I'm in the presence of your holiness to commune with you is all I in the presence of your holiness to commune with you is all 